0: hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the psych War podcast and today i'm joined by two special guests and one of them is a returning one and i will introduce one of them at a time and we're back with josiah Haas. josiah say hello uh how's it going everybody josiah Haas here uh glad to be back on the show and our next guest is josiah's roommate and new friend of mine ethan scott ethan Hi, guys. I'm Ethan.
1: Uh, It's a pleasure to be on the podcast. Thanks for having me.
0: So, as everybody knows how the psych war goes, it's not exactly going to be the most... What's the word I'm looking for? It's like... What do they call people? that are like normal news broadcasters.
2: Journalists.
0: No, like the the professionalist way they present things. This is uh, not going to be professional. Streamline,
1: direct. Yeah, something
0: like we're gonna that. we're gonna go through a lot of different things today, but we'll probably first just start off with, really, how is everybody doing? I know everything during not only COVID but also the recent shit in the capital has caused things to get kind of shaky, not only nationally but also with everyone's mentality. Uh, how have you guys been dealing with all this? Uh,
1: well, I honestly it's been pushing me, uh, into, into more theoretical work, um, especially as I'm, I'm going into my last semester of college. So, um, I've been doing more extracurricular research and, uh, it, I think it's going to be informing the way that I approach my academic work this semester. Um, and honestly it's given me inspiration. I write fiction as well. So it's been giving me some inspiration for some fictional stories, some social commentaries and stuff like that. Um, but but I think overall the 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 main thing is that I'm feeling a little bit paranoid, a little bit defensive, yeah. and uh, I think now more than ever it's it's an important time to uh, to learn your shit and like know what you're talking about.
0: That's a good way to put it. What kind of fiction?
1: Um, I do short stories mostly. Um, I've done uh, magical realism, some fan fiction. Uh, I've done <laughs> that's pretty cool. Like actually. actual realism. Um, uh, most, of, most of the stuff that I've written for school has been like realist work, um, but I, I really enjoy reading magical and uh, like sci fi
0: realism. So, like I said, I'll say the same on that. Just uh, how you been?
2: Man, you know, it's uh, this, this whole past year, 2020, and especially in the past few months, has just been really difficult for me uh, trying to figure things out and uh, get things solidified. I've, I've definitely put a lot of irons in a bunch of different fires mm-hmm. and it's put a lot of pressure on me. Um, one thing is I, I, I got into a new job opportunity and I'm really excited about this new cafe and stuff uh, on top of doing grad school and working for the university. But then also I'm, uh, I'm a delegate on the central committee for the Memphis Liberation Party right okay. now. Okay. And uh, we're organizing a bunch of exciting stuff, uh, some food justice work, uh, some tenant union work, Um, As well as unionizing the service industry here in Memphis, which I think is going to be great on this podcast, it's definitely
0: going to follow down with a lot of the things we're going to talk about today. So, like he just said, with the need to unionize the service industry, one thing I like to point out is that if you're labeled an essential worker, you definitely aren't feeling very essential right now, and you haven't been since the start of this, and like how do y'all feel about that it's just it was kind of funny when like when everything started going down and they were like listing off everything that was shut down i was like okay they're sending people their banks home they're cutting staff at actual like hospitals and other places that are just office based but every single job that was basically a wage-based job just they kept they kept all their people on scene they needed grocery store workers they still needed people working inside of restaurants because nobody it's like Half of America didn't know how to survive without, like, constantly moving. So when shit slowed down, there was just the service industry for them to fall back on.
2: That's Yeah, that's very true. It, I think one of the reasons why is because the service industry constitutes such a large uh, portion of the economy. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, uh, at first, when everything was kind of shutting down and people like states were taking it seriously, I'd say, uh, probably like early summer of last year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we we face one of the biggest unemployment crises of, like, of all time, and we're still seeing the repercussions yeah. of that, you know what I'm saying? Uh, to the point where now we have an eviction crisis. We have these huge food insecurity crises. Yep. And, and there's all these crises that have developed out of this. Uh, but ultimately, I mean, I think that this whole idea of the essential worker and everything, and the fact that the actual essential workers still don't, like, they're still not being paid like essential workers. They're still not being remunerated fairly and everything. Um, I think a big part of that comes from the fact that there is such a, uh, there is such this like social phenomenon where we are expected to be productive and everything, like productivity right. is such a big part of uh, existence, et etc. Et um, and, and what's funny is, Right before like in 2019, right before all the shit started to happen in the United States like openly, right before the coronavirus like yeah. that, in Chile, they were having all this like uh, like uprising, there was all kinds yeah. of revolutionary yeah. thing yeah. going on. And I, I began to study up on the Chilean economy, the, uh, the Chilean um, kind of like way of life, the, just the social scene and everything. I actually had a friend of mine that was in Chile at the time. Anyways, there was this one paper that I came across um, and it showed a graph uh, with all these different countries and everything. Of course, it had like the BRIC countries, Brazil, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you know. It, it's supposed to be like the, uh, apparently they, they were like rising tigers, basically. Ah, and it's right. like China, Brazil, um, India, and then there's one more sort starts with I can't remember the name there.
0: Awesome. I don't know. We'll get back to it.
2: Anyways, anyways. It's showing on this chart, and on the left side, it's uh, productivity, right? And it's showing the percentage raise of productivity for these countries. And then on the bottom, it's the employment percentage raise, right? And so in the bottom left quadrant, where it's just about equal raise between productivity and employment or less of a raise of productivity and employment, you have the United States in there. Where it's just about equal where productivity and employment have risen, right? Uh but the thing is they're calling these, because it's mostly developed countries in the square, um, geriatric countries and everything. But overwhelmingly, in the uh in the right bottom quadrant, where you have high employment but lower productivity, it's almost all what we would consider like uh like middle income or or latin mostly latin american countries and everything and i think that it's very interesting this concept of productivity uh basically within the united states context basically defining our right to work and our right to be paid and everything whereas in other countries it's 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 a right to have a job first yeah. before it's what you can do for the company yeah right um, and, and I thought that that was very interesting. That while the productivity was about equal, or maybe even less, they were still able to employ more people than in the
0: United States context. See, uh, I want to hear your thoughts on that, Ethan. But there's one thing I was kind of woken up to, and it's, it's some like someone we actually went to high school with, if you remember, uh, Bethany, mm-hmm. Bethany Campbell. Mm-hmm. But she, she lives in Japan now, and she like got she got married to, into a Japanese family. And I had a conversation with her one day because I posted something about like the COVID statistics and how I was reflecting with Japan. And she basically came and showed me like her side and what's actually like what they see as in their news and everything. And it's entirely different because here we look at their unemployment rate and we go, okay, during coronavirus, the Japanese employment rate has gone up. That's good, right? Mm -hmm. But for them, it's not the same thing because like they're, they're contracting to their jobs no matter what. It's it's literally it's it's taboo for an employer to fire you because in their culture they're expected to take care of their elders they're expected to take care of like basically the, the aging family members mm-hmm. and when you the, the, that's why like she basically explained that the entire pressure when it comes to Asian culture to do so good in school is because of that and they're contracted to certain jobs and you want to get a good contract so you don't have like a completely overbearing and shit job life so when unemployment when employment goes up in that that means that there are more people coming out of that that have to work now. Mm-hmm. And we might look at that in America as like, oh yeah, there's more people working. That's good. But for them, it doesn't mean the exact same thing. That means, okay, there's more people signing on to contracts now. There's more people that are forced to like leave their homes and work now over the, what it already was. Mm-hmm. So like, it's just like you say with like uh, Latin American countries, it's, it's really weird how we look at, I guess, employment to productivity mm-hmm. and exactly how it scales, so to speak. But that, I'm not. That that wasn't to like counteract or anything. That was to also add on to it because it's it's really just different how how, where you go around the world.
1: Mm -hmm. So this is a bit of a departure from like essential workers and and the things like that we're talking about when it comes to current events. But I've been doing some historical like economic study of the Soviet Union Mm -hmm. and uh, trying to understand. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Trying to understand, um, but because. Those of us who identify as like socialists, um, we we need to understand what went wrong in certain in certain instances where socialism was enacted.
0: Now, before you go on with that, I know like some people are gonna instantly flag that right there and just be like, "Oh, you're a socialist." Whoa. So you be, because that, like you just said, you you have to identify what went wrong then because the main trope I, I hear a lot of people use for socialism is that. Well, it didn't go well in Venezuela. It didn't go well in the Soviet Union. it's never went well. Over so, how are we going to use it now? <laughs> well, I I would I would first push back.
1: The Soviet Union did a, an amazing job of increasing productivity, and um, the way that they produced things was uh, was quantity over everything. And um, when it, it, I guess it's it's kind of an agreement with with Josiah's point about productivity as far as numbers versus productivity as far as like quality of life and um and what what we actually need versus what we can produce what we're capable of producing so the soviet union you know they they helped win world war ii because they could produce more tanks than anybody in the world they were the largest producer of tanks now their their tanks sucked they were awful but for every For every one Nazi tank they're producing like twenty of their own, and n- no one can deal with that kind of that kind of overwhelming number that yeah. overwhelming production however like when we're when we're thinking about production in our own context we have to we have to realize that that actually went wrong for the Soviets. This idea of quantity over everything went wrong it's what tanked their economy, and it's it's one of those things that, that that we need to bear in mind is is that people want to work people want to have the right to work but when when you're prioritizing uh the the level of productivity among uh, above like the quality of the of what's produced you you're really missing out on what what engages people in their work and what engages people in in employment in general yeah Mm
0: -hmm. because i agree with you with the point that's one of the main things I see when it comes to any type of any anything remotely socialist or like, I guess, in general, welfare help towards um, the American citizens. People go, oh, well, they they didn't earn it. They're, they're not working for it. But the funniest thing I've always noticed is that most people don't like just false handouts. That's that's like if they just sat you at the front of a race after everybody just raced and then handed you the first place medal. Are you really going to feel good about that? Mm hmm. Yeah. No. Yeah. No one. No one's gonna feel good about that. They know they didn't run that race. And honestly, if they do feel good about it, that's a <laughs> that's another Depression conversation. That's an enculturation problem. Yeah. I think. Yeah. But that that like that's the point. Like that's it, it's it's literally wired in human beings to have like a risk reward factor, and we like it. We like to actually like see things that we see the hard work that we do come into fruition or something. People like yeah. to work for things, but I almost feel as if there's like. It's, it's kind of leading back to the earlier point I said when it came to the, like the essential worker. No, we were talking about this before the podcast. Mm-hmm. And is that how people might say that why should fast food workers be paid more mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if soldiers EMTs are paid so much? And like, yeah. like I said earlier, it's the same exact point. People aren't paid enough, but the people that are at the top still see, like during COVID, that every just about every single major corporation that didn't like go under saw exponential profit growth. Mm-hmm. And that's not even just in America. It's like in, in Canada, and in like the Asian countries, because literally they just kept doing what they were doing, but better. Their demand went up and they did not make it better for their workers. They're like, we're getting twice as much, if not four times as much inventory and sales and getting everything moved. But the worker are going to stay exactly where they're at. Mm.
2: Okay.
1: Yeah, I mean, that that's one of the things that, that really pisses me off and i i do a lot of um i guess it's it's just thought-provoking stuff uh on social media i like to put things out that uh that most people can agree with because no matter what side of of the american political aisle you're on most people are suffering right now yeah like most people are experiencing some sort of economic or uh or cultural distress yep. because of because of a Trump presidency, because of a, a coronavirus pandemic, um, there's 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 something that's causing distress in families and in, uh, in businesses and all of that. And um, with with the essential worker stuff and like minimum wage, I'm I'm not necessarily somebody who thinks that a blanket minimum wage increase is gonna is gonna help things, but I do think things that. Uh, that limit the the capability of especially our congresspeople and our uh our our senators to increase their own pay and um it, you know I I feel like sure all of our all of our politicians should be paid a living wage uh but, but all of our fast food workers should be paid a living wage. All of our all of our CEOs are getting paid too much and, and they're funneling all of that income to the top. And we've seen uh how many new, new billionaires i was i was looking at the numbers the other day but like uh a, an extreme growth in the number of billionaires um that uh that that became billionaires during the pandemic it was insane
0: i know they say jeff bezos wealth like tripled yeah but apparently elon musk is the richest man on the planet right now
1: mm-hmm. yeah for a little while i think he's like doing some
0: some, uh, uh. You heard about the constellation? No, bro. <laughs> this is gonna be super off topic. Elon Musk is literally building a satellite ring <laughs> around the planet to give everyone like instant speed, low budget Wi Fi. I mean, it sounds like something. It sounds, like, sounds, something, cool, it sounds like something out of a sci fi movie. It is not. It is one hundred percent real. I
2: mean, I, I would believe that, but at the same time, it almost. Well, first of all, that shit kind of... It, it's it, kind of scary, right? It, kinda, it sounds kind of scary because so much could go wrong with that. It's like my but, Big Brother thing. Yeah. Like, I mean, my first thought is like Halo, you know? Yeah, that's, what, that's what I was thinking. It's just a giant ring around. He's going to kill everyone. No, no. But but at the same time, I mean, I think that... And, and this is off topic, but uh, just to comment on that. Um, I think what that is is just the ruling class, literally the richest man in the world, Making an attempt to pacify
0: mm-hmm. uh,
2: the lower classes, like, well, that. you have internet, you know. It, truly, yeah, I mean, I understand did, that. Did you think back? Literally, the the income inequality between um, the rich and the poor is bigger than it was than when the French Revolution took place. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But the here's the thing: French peasants didn't have Netflix to watch when they were depressed. They didn't have ENJ. Uh, brandy to go and pick up at the liquor store. They they didn't have. They, there was all this no shit that they didn't have to pacify them and everything. Uh, and that's the thing that we've got to realize is the ruling class is constantly feeding us all these. Li- they put a pacifier in our mouth. Yeah, they've they've become masters at putting a pacifier in her mouth, right? Um, but going back to the thing about like you know people are going to work, you know, um, and productivity. Is something that's always going to come about when, when people are just living or functioning within a society. And, and even if we're not even within a society, you know what I'm saying? Uh, people are still going to be working, even if it is on their own. Um, and, and this is the whole point of Hannah Arendt um, They're in The Human Condition. Uh, when she talks about how um, there is a difference between labor, work, and action, Right? And her whole thing is work is something that people do uh, in order to um, in order to immortalize themselves this yeah. is one of the life drives of humans is to do work to immortalize themselves whether it's physical form whether it's writing whether it's being remembered by those within a society or something like that we pursue to do these things to be immortalized and to extend ourselves beyond just our body yeah um and and I think that that's something we have to remember because truthfully, if we focus our life upon uh, uh work as opposed to just labor all the time, um, which it in the current system, the only people that are able to immortalize themselves are the ruling class uh they're doing work while we do all the labor to produce the means of their work yeah um. If we focused everything on getting people to work as opposed to getting people to labor, I feel like we'd have a much more equitable society.
0: I feel, it, when it comes to like social, like social help programs and stuff that are designed to help people, I almost feel that in a way they're also designed to keep people from, I can explain it better than I can say Like with disability, they'll give you 2,000, 2000 a month for disability. If you make like a dime over that, if they know they're cutting, they're cutting it off and it's already incredibly hard to get on it. But what that does, I, in my opinion, is like that's a person that in that situation, maybe they didn't even want to take disability. Maybe they're actually injured and they just had to take off from work. But you're forcing them to live by a certain number, uh, like which is almost a certain standard of life, depending on where they're coming from because they're injured. Mm-hmm. And if they get used to that, what's going to happen once they try and come off of it? Mm-hmm. they're not gonna they're either not gonna be able to go back to their normal lifestyle or they're gonna be stuck basically on that system and I think that's kind of where it goes with a lot of like welfare systems is that not only do the people in those in those worlds people say they get stuck in it, and that's where the, like the myth of the welfare queen comes from oh, yeah. but I don't think it's necessarily as like people are stuck I think it's literally like a socio economic trap almost that is the government saying. Here you can have this, but it's only like a taste of it. But is this limit? Uh-huh. And if you go any further, you're it's nothing. So they get this support. Yeah, right. it, it, it keeps people like literally at that margin. They're like, I can always live like this, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, if that makes sense.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's just a that's that's a flaw in bureaucracy, and and we see tons of those in in, in any state system. But uh, especially in America, when there are vested interests in keeping certain parts of the population dependent on um, on certain social programs, like um, I mean, this this is where the uh, the right wing commentators uh, I can kind of like see that they're they're on the cusp of having a consciousness at this point, um, but it's like the 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 Democratic Party, as we know it, the sort of moderate left, um, it's it, it is focused on purchasing a vote. It is focused on uh, on creating a cultural a culture where people believe that the Republicans are going to cut off their benefits. They're going to cut off their their lifeline in a lot of ways. Yeah. And there are people who are actually dependent on disability. There are people who are actually dependent on welfare. And regardless of their ability to work, which I th- I think that they should be allowed to do if if they're able to do some you know part time work yeah. or whatever. Um, regardless of that, those it, it is sort of like a, a hostage situation. Um, it's like if you vote if you vote a different way, you know you you can lose this. Yeah, and. Um, Again, it, it goes back to the interests of the ruling class and the interests, uh, and, and the way that those are expressed in our democracy. Uh, I use air quotes on democracy.
0: Think <laughs> what was the word? I think it's more like more of a oligarchy.
2: Yes, that's exactly what it is. Oh, it's
0: absolutely
2: <laughs> an oligarchy. I mean, with, with lobbyists, um, and and then in order to get on a committee, I didn't know this until recently. In order to get onto a committee in Congress, you have to buy your seat from your party. Did you know that? What? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You have to buy your seat. When You can get to Congress and everything, but you have to buy your seat through campaign donations and everything like that in order to get on. In order oh, to get in that just sounds yeah. like
0: one of those things that when you get there, they're just like, yeah, this is how it is. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so, no one acknowledges it. <laughs> And,
2: and see it, it's all this struggle for power and the power is connected right back to money, and the money comes from lobbyists
0: and it makes so okay yeah, it makes sense like there's a politician that even if they're like they start off pure that that's what's just going to happen're gonna, somebody's going to approach them with that money because they want that seat because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. they need that seat to yeah. get anywhere yeah. just, that's actually yeah look into it, it was the American America. everything system is just predatory.
2: Yeah, Yeah. look into Newt Gingrich in the 90s. He was the one that that made it all happen like that. Okay. And and honestly, I would say that that's partially, I mean, and I would have to really study on this, but this is just something I'm thinking. I would say that it's from that point we've seen more polarizing politics and everything, you know, because it's not necessarily just, uh, it's not necessarily just like the most well-thought-out politicians that get the good chair positions and everything, but it's the more charismatic, more flamboyant, more kind of like attractive candidates and everything that get more lobbyist support that that can then buy more seats.
0: I think like, like you said, I noticed that even amongst Republicans, there's almost like this decisive little split. And I like to call it, there is like the difference between the corporate Republicans and then like the old country club republicans. Oh, that,
2: that that's absolutely a thing cuz it, it's the uh it's the George Bush senior, yeah, country club.
0: Yeah, I I would also I I'm not a hermit shit, but I'd also say, say like say like Mitt Romney falls in that category. He's oh, kind of yes. like the last yeah. of the Republican stragglers that is of that country club variety. Mm-hmm. But it almost seems that like along with that, like like he said earlier in the Democratic Party like they're moderate Democrats. And they're always trying to convince, like, their base that the Republicans are going to take this away. So that's why you need to vote for us. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just like you said, it's, it's it's that power struggle. It's like there's always a constant need for, what's the word I'm looking for? Hmm. There's, they, they, it's almost as if they generate the need. They start the fire just to yell, there's a fire, so they can be called to put it out, if that makes mm-hmm. sense.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's, you're exactly correct, I, w- I would say. Uh, the I mean, the thing is, the Democratic Party has been doing the same shit since the 60s. Look at the 68 riots in Chicago. Yeah. It was the exact same issue that we had in 2020, you know. You had a candidate that was very moderate, ran for, ran, literally was just running because he was the vice president of another president in 68, hello, same thing happened in 2020. And then you had this other, more popular candidate that was blatantly anti-war, whereas the other candidate uh, that was more popular ended up winning uh, the the DNC and everything. Uh, He didn't have a stance on the war. So that's the reason why all these kids and everything were in the streets and everything in 68. Uh, and, And the thing is, the Democratic Party is constantly not trying to make a stand on any of these issues, but trying to figure out a compromise with the right. But the thing is, currently, The right has continued to go further and further right. The Republican Party has continued to go further and further right. And so by creating a compromise with the right, we're doing nothing except moving further and further right to the point where literally Joe Biden... I don't know if you watched the Democratic National Convention or whatever uh, this past year, this most recent one and everything, but there were literally just about as many Republicans speaking as there were Democrats. Mm -hmm. And that's the state that we've gotten to. Yeah. Well, I mean,
1: we're letting, uh, I say we. I'm not I'm not a democrat. Um, but but they're letting the uh they they're letting the the Republicans draw the party lines at this point. And uh if you're familiar with like the Overton window concept, it's like they're just they're just releasing control uh of the of the window for American politics. And, and they do that by by shaming uh, people like Bernie for using socialists in his rhetoric. Bernie's not a socialist Bernie, Bernie is a social democrat yep. he is he's a big proponent of uh, you know some some great policies that would really help Americans but he's not a socialist he doesn't want a worker-owned economy um but but by by letting um, other Democrats, Use that as a shaming factor during the debates and stuff like that they're they're letting the right shift the rhetoric away from progressive measures
0: I feel that with with like the left or just Democrats in general, what they do the not even the majority, but what ends up happening is that there's so many different arguments going on amongst Democrats, and there, were in, there end up being arguments about things that you don't even you wouldn't even consider there would be arguments about. And then it all just ropes back down to like distracting from the main points. Because that's the thing I'll say about the right is that you can say what you want about them. They're fascists. Like they're trying to enforce certain things. They're coherent. Like Mm -hmm. when when, when there's time for like a single word, they're basically coherent up until, I'd say up until like the last of Trump's presidency. (laughs) That's when it got rocky and they were like, Actually, Republicans breaking away from the base, saying that they wanted him gone as well. But mm-hmm. the majority of the time, even when it's like these right wing folks, they're they're all there, they're coherent.
1: Well, the the right has definitely done populism better than the left in America um, since since maybe FDR. Um, I would I would say FDR was the last uh, even remotely leftist president that we that we had and. He did that. He, he was elected because he was enacting actual social and cultural change that benefited the working class. And the, the Trump narrative is that he's doing the same thing. And we can see that even with tax breaks, this goes back to our wage talk earlier, even with major, major tax breaks on these big corporations, what are we seeing? We're not seeing a rise in wages. We're not seeing that money being reinvested into the bottom level of production. They actually We're cut seeing, workers and outsource. Yeah, they're cutting workers and outsourcing. And then, and then the CEOs are pocketing what change they earned from from those tax breaks. And it's like the Trump did a great, great job of convincing people that he was... That his tax breaks were going to help them, but it didn't work, and, and and we've seen how how that immediately affects all of the
2: workers in our economy. Yeah, very true. Yeah, I'm I'm very concerned about uh, about taxes this year. It, I'm still under the impression that we're going to have to pay the stimulus.
0: but... Is that I've I've like I've seen that not only mean but also like in a serious sense. Mm-hmm. Is that how like that. I, it's almost baffling to sit here and just picture that. Is that like not only during the time of like a that you had to send a stimulus, you would still recall it? Mm-hmm. But how does it work? Does it, do rather you know how it works with your actual taxes? I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know either. Because yeah. that 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 that's a thought that has been plaguing me. Because it's like you're even even like even if they're not making us pay it back, you're still asking a lot of people to basically sit down and file their taxes for the year and pay the government the money that they can watch that didn't do anything during all of this mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like there's literally shit that you pay for every single year that did nothing during covid yeah yeah so i think that's good i think it's gonna be a real sore spot for america at least these next coming months on top of like i know you guys have heard like with everything that went down on the cap i think they said it was Yes, the twenty first. So I think that's Biden's inauguration. Mm-hmm. Like there's are supposed to be like riots at all fifty Wednesday, state capitals. Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday. I don't. I one. I could be. I, I. I'm so surprised if any any base right or left manages to pull off something of that scale at all fifty capitals. Yeah. But on top of that, if that is something that is pulled off, that's not like there was already one coup, and that's not that's not even a coup. That like that sounds like a war. Wait, yeah, wait, what you talking about?
1: We're talking about Wednesday, sounds like sounds like somebody waging all out war against. Them. Oh, yeah, they said yeah, there's yeah, 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 gonna yeah. be like
0: protest or the same thing that happened at the Capitol in all fifty states. That's mm-hmm. the plan, or like that's what the, the, what I've heard coming from it.
2: That's what they say, and it honestly, in my honest opinion, at at best, I could see a bunch of like younger folks or what, you know, some of these old country bumpkins. No, I'm not mm-hmm. gonna say country pumpkins. I, <laughs> I hate the way that like country people are, you know, portrayed. Yeah, and but I can see a bunch of these, I'll say incels, you know. I will say <laughs> yeah. almost every, let me tell you something if you're conservative and you're listening, you're a cuck and you're an incel. <laughs> Straight up. I'm oh oh, just God. saying it. I don't give a fuck. I'm serious. No, listen. Uh, no, I can see these incels just like showing up to some capitals and everything, and they think they're all big and bad and everything. But I don't think, I, I'm right there with you. I don't think anything of that large of a scale can be pulled off uh, on the right. In general, to be you know. fair, they got like look.
1: I I I would have said the same thing about the Capitol. I would have said the same thing in 2016. I did say the same I would thing say in, in that, 2016 about Trump. Yeah. The the level of organization from the right is frightening and should not be underestimated. Yeah, that is. That true. is yeah, yeah, yeah. Hard. I will. I will give you that.
2: I will give you that. Um, that there is a surprising amount of organization, but I think what empowered uh, the Capitol mob and all that bullshit. Uh was because Trump called for them there. That is That's fair. That is true. Trump, the the leader of this state, called for them to be there. And then, mm-hmm. you know, of course, all of the different things that Trump used. Uh, has now been deplatformed, right? So we can't, you can't make <laughs> that call. That's true. Omega he can't, Omega
1: he can't do the kind of organization that uh, that led to the Capitol riots. Um, because he just doesn't have the platform for it. Anymore. Right. You're right.
2: That's the that's my whole thing. You know, if we're calling this a populist movement, the whole point of a populist movement is disorganization amongst the mass, uh, only following what this single charismatic figure says. So if Trump says, you know. Uh, go to your capital and show support. You know, for me on this day, then I would then I would be like, yeah, there's probably something to worry about. But since he's been deplatformed, all I can see is like four chain rooms and everything. Like, <laughs>
0: you know, like I think the funniest, like not not funny, but with the entire thing, like Trump's situation is that even in the end, after he told the crowd to disperse, he still followed up with. Someone should do something about this. Legend, the election is still fraudulent. Go home. I understand why yeah. you're mad, but we shouldn't be doing this. But election still fraudulent, guys. Remember that. Somebody's yeah. gonna do something about it. And I'm just sitting here like, bro. That's just that's the reason why they're here. <laughs> you're, you're t-
1: someone said talking just- out of both sides of his mouth. Like, like, don't do it. But. But maybe I mean I like, someone should do something, but y'all shouldn't.
0: I like calling double speak. It's like <laughs> yeah, walking exactly. in front of somebody you know for problems problem, just be like, "I just hope someone Ooh. doesn't steal my large amount of money I left on the floor. I'm gonna be <laughs> gone for so long." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what? Yeah. For real? It, uh, oh my gosh! Yeah. Oh um, man, so the, many different funny. That's just that, That's like that's the funniest thing about that situation. But I think. Once again, that's kind of like the thing the right has going is that they can say that and at least their their base isn't going to like eat Trump alive. There's going to be people that choose either not to participate in it or they're going to participate in it. There's not going to be anybody that steps out against the crowd and goes, this is wrong. They're just going to look the other way. Mm-hmm, and that's really yeah. the thing about the right is like the ones that don't fall in line just look the other way and let it happen. And that's just as bad as falling in line.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, at the same time, though, I don't don't really
0: know if, like, just saying something
2: is going to fix much.
0: Because, I mean, that's all that liberals really Yeah, like... Depends on their stance. Like, for the Republicans, like, when Mitt Romney was the only, like, Republican to stand out and try and impeach Trump, that that made an impression. And that's why all Republicans basically, like, lashed out on Mitt Romney. And even Trump, he was slandering Mitt Romney. mm -hmm. But that's why. It's because he, he stepped out of line, so to speak, and was just saying, no, he this is unconstitutional he needs to be prosecuted for this Mm -hmm. he was the only one that was standing him and one other one it's a younger guy i forget his name
1: i think it was i think he dropped out of the republican party and ran or
0: justin amash yeah i think that's that's what it was was
1: justin amash um but yeah no i mean just i was saying it but it was it's the performative like um just just speaking out is not enough anymore and um what what it's really going to take is not not necessarily like a war we we don't need people people fighting against each other in the streets but we we do need a unifying figure or a a unifying set of figures who are able to um to kind of speak to both sides of the working class the the side of the working class that's been Poisoned by by Trumpian rhetoric, and then the side of the working class that is just just disillusioned with politics in general, because that's a huge huge yeah. part of the working class now. Well, I, th-
2: I think that I think you hit on some good things there, Ethan, and I agree with you um, that we do need somebody, uh, and and I, it could be a general somebody, so mm-hmm. it could even be groups, you know. Um, To speak to both sides, you know, but I think the reason why so many people have become so militant On the right and the left is from their perspective. It seems as though words are failing Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. it's like it's like we're not even speaking the same language, right, but at the same time um, And and here's the thing I agree with both sides, you know Um, militancy uh, even to me, I think I think it's something that you know can be advocated for in certain situations and everything. However, direct action does not always have to be militant, right? Yeah. yeah. And so that's why that that's why I think it's so important that if you're a leftist um, and you want to get involved in everything, get involved with these parties and everything, doing mutual aid work, doing food justice work, get out in the streets when you can and everything. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's it's not all uh adventurous like warfare and guerrilla tactics and everything all the time. Sometimes it's as boring as like packaging a shit ton of meals to mm-hmm. deliver. You know, pressing um, buttons. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's as as like as costly as like giving $5 or something to yeah. a mutual aid
1: network. Well, yeah, like no, I'm I'm totally with you. That that's you said it better than than how I said it, but that that's basically the interpretation that I right. got. It, Right. Yeah. I was trying to agree with you. Actually, yeah, What yeah. I was
2: trying to say is because words are failing, uh, I think generally in society, people are looking for other ways of communicating and they're realizing that direct action is a form of communication. Right. Yeah. And so so many people have turned to militancy. I mean, on the corners of the internet, not even on the corners of the internet, even in the mainstream media yeah. culture yeah. and everything. Militancy is something we're talking about and everything, but there's these boring and less sexy aspects of it that we can... It, it goes, and we could get into a Christology here, good works.
1: Yeah, good no, works I'm with Good works is direct you. action, yeah. you know? It, I, I think that direct action is the only way that, that things are going to tra- change, and it's going to happen outside of democracy it's got to happen outside of democracy because the working class has no trust and no love for our elected leaders anymore. We, we saw that in the Capitol riots, and I wouldn't say that that is an accurate representation of the working class, but there were definitely poor people in that crowd, poor people who were fed up with, with, uh, with, with their, their Republicans, their Democrats, everybody who's, who's been voted for recently, and they don't think that it's going to change because it hasn't. Things mm-hmm. haven't changed for the working class in the last—I mean, as long as I've been alive, at least. Nothing person-
0: positive. Nothing so, positively changed. I'll changes. personally say that the like the struggle between like the classes has only gotten worse as the middle class throughout the centuries has just shrunken mm-hmm. because now it's basically to the. Like class disparity is gonna get even more and not even more, but even worse and worse to the point to where it's gonna be basically those air quotes fortunate enough to be in the position that they're in, like above poverty or above like the rat race, and then the people that are always trying to make it, the people that have to live day to day, the people that are stuck in these cycles, because like I, like one the middle class is disintegrated. If not already yeah. disintegrated, it's gutted. Yeah, especially for like for people our age you are you're not going to find a, like a decent priced house mm-hmm. you will find one to rent mm-hmm. and rent in itself is already a trap like not a trap necessity of life people have mm-hmm. their different arguments about it but in my opinion when you are being when when a person takes a house that they could have easily taken and let pass on to somebody younger or like given a younger person a chance which is actually like in my opinion i think that's what it's supposed to be like, you're the, you're an older person with your third house and you just moved to Florida. Do you need to rent this out for several hundred dollars? Not several hundred. Several thousand, depending on where you're at. But mm-hmm. do you need to rent it out every single month? Or could you just, overall, just pass this down to somebody? Yeah. Or give somebody else a chance with it? Mm-hmm. Or That's the thing, because, like, half the time, the people that do this aren't even, like, pushing... What's the word I'm looking for? They're, they're not, like, pushing anything into upkeep because they live somewhere else. Yeah. It's almost like it's like a satellite... Just funneling them money, yeah. Like, not even like it's a real job, but I'm not here to go off against realtors. Well,
1: yeah. I mean, wait, <laughs> well, wait. I
0: am.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I was
1: thinking like, you know, we could we could talk about landlords a lot, and mm. and I I will say that I've had great landlords in the past, uh, landlords that were kind to me and uh, took care of my needs as a renter, but but for the most part, like it it is it is an exploitation business that is that is all it is it's a permanent debt that somebody owes to you That's and, true and i mean there's all, all kinds of like religious um like like rhetoric against debt against against uh carrying debt against uh like c- collecting debt christianity buddhism yeah. um there, there's another I one G- uh, no, I think Jews are allowed yeah, to handle the money well yeah yeah. I think and that like, um, like, but, but it's, it's often like you don't owe another member of your congregation debt you yeah. don't charge them interest yeah. you don't like try and extract extra value from somebody just because you've given them something or you, you've, you've done them a favor and housing, housing shouldn't work like that housing is a basic necessity People, people have to have housing to work. People have to have housing to eat. People have to have housing to survive. And the the way we treat that as like a like a luxury, we we shouldn't be. And 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 it's a it's a gross gross um, misuse of our economy and a misstructuring of our economy. This, this, a, wait, there's there's two weird. things I
0: want to like say on that. And one, like you just said, the necessity for housing and most people don't really understand how big of a cycle of like just not a cycle of poverty, just being homeless is because people don't know that you can literally basically be so poor to the point to where you can't get out of the cycle. How are you supposed to put your address down in an application? You don't have an address. You have nowhere to get mail. Let's say you don't have your birth certificate or your security card. Where are they going to mail it to. Mm well what what can those people do in those situations like i I can tell you i've met people in those situations they're pretty fucked Mm -hmm. like they're they're pretty fucked Mm -hmm. and so we end up like like he just said we end up in a situation where like not even in the situation housing is a necessity you need housing to basically go about the normal motions of a normal society but the funniest thing i thought about as you said it that uh is basically what you call it lifelong debt yeah, yeah. I mean, renting is a lifelong debt. What do you, it's more of a joke, but like, what are, what are subscription services then? Oh, I, you, mean, you I, would say the well, I mean, just paying for something forever. I just thought about it. <laughs> yeah,
1: no,
2: subscription services is just another market that capitalism has created and mm-hmm. therefore exploits. I mean, it's no um, coincidence that after Netflix, uh, the online streaming service and everything started yeah. picking up, you started seeing all these things. You can have a subscription and get clothing picked yep. out and fitted to you you can have a, a subscription for groceries subscription for i mean just yep. anything you could think of you can you can have a cologne subscription yep. magazine all these different things <laughs> dog brushes it was just a new market that was created it is now being exploited it is a
1: product of the consumerist society but again i would say like even with that I'm much more happy paying for a Netflix subscription than I am paying for rent because I don't need Netflix. That is, true. I I That's have a luxury, I'm I'm privileged enough to make. Uh, actually, I don't pay for Netflix. Uh, sorry, Netflix, but <laughs> I I do pay for like Amazon Prime because like I need school books yeah. and uh, I need I, I like to listen to to books on Audible and um, you know sure I'm funneling money to Jeff Bezos but I get a luxury out of it. Yeah. I get. I get something that I don't necessarily need but it makes my life easier. Um, with with renting, I, it's something that I absolutely need and it's something that breaks my bank every month. And it's like, okay, well, this is this is really unfortunate.
0: It's, like I said, it's that cycle. Yeah. I think that's kind of one of the biggest things that our society has is that even people that are well off at the moment and COVID showed that they were they were two weeks away, one bad month away from being completely devastated. And a lot of people went through that exactly. They couldn't work; their job shut down temporarily. Some places took like major pay cuts, and the the entire fabric of most people's like financial security just it, it vanished because of that reason. Because. Like, even if you did lose your job, you took, let's because I know someone, he took a 40% like pay decrease. And that's what their company did. Everyone like got paid less instead of them getting all laid off. But for him, what that basically made him have to do was literally exhausted savings. That's almost 50% of his income that for so far up until the last two or so months of COVID, he didn't start getting back the full amount of his income. So that was adorable. <laughs> I know. There, there's a dog here, everybody. She is adorable. Her name's Rosa, and she just yawned. <laughs> anyway, he didn't start getting back like the the uh, other portion of his income, and he told me like it literally devastated him because it, it, one is not natural, but he says because he, he, he pays rent, he's literally renting. He said that didn't change. He's like my income level changed. It was like the sixteen hundred I pay a month for rent did not change.
2: Yeah, that's, and you know, kind of get back onto the topic of what we were originally starting with, you know. Uh, there, is, there has still been no moratorium on, like, there's been no freeze on rent, you know, mm-hmm. for all these people. And so many people are renting rent. Right? There's been no yep. freeze on mortgages, mortgages. There's been no freeze on student loan payments, et cetera, et cetera. And so all these people have all these costs, costs, costs. Yep. And no extra income coming in and everything. Meanwhile, like we've already described earlier tonight, we have these billionaires and everything that are just growing their wealth. And we have the stock markets that are doing fairly well and everything. But we still have all these people on the bottom that have to scrounge together and scrape together their little nest egg and everything. Maybe it was even the kids' college fund or something. Just in order to pay their own student loans, you know? Recreating a cycle of debt in a way, you know, I mean, I think I think of like a similar like it's similar with my family and everything. You know, I, I never had a college fund to go to school on, but my parents had student loan debt, you know, and and since they had student loan debt, they could never create a college fund because everything they put into a college fund would go to student loan debt yeah. themselves, just so they could get into that middle income area that ultimately they were fucked out of because of corporate America. Just so they could get into that little middle income, comfortable living, and everything, where they didn't have to worry about rent. Maybe they could afford a mortgage. Maybe they could afford like a little car note or something like that, and you know, have all of those things taken care of, as opposed to just constantly trying to figure shit out.
0: On that, on that point, this is, I guess, this is this will probably be the last point we delude to guys because we're hitting the hour mark, but. How you said that they were basically like they did all of that to like get into that middle class that they were then fucked out of. And that compounds off what Ethan said earlier about what he says about like, people that were in the Trump crowd. And I agree with him there. Like there were definitely people, in my opinion, in that crowd that were 100 percent just sick of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Like there were people that live they, they have been what they, they did with their ass stuff. It's like they work their job, they pay for the things they were supposed to, and completely out of their hands, all that was yanked away from them. Mm-hmm. And it's not even it's not even their own record, because like we've talked about throughout this podcast, corporate, like a lot of corporations, I can name a few, for example, AT&T being the biggest one, AT&T has continuously got cutbacks, but their most recent one was like $6 billion, and they still axed like over 25% of their personnel staff and outsourced overseas, like and that that's going on in most industries throughout America, mainly because of COVID, but it's continuing. Mm-hmm. And what that does is that leaves the disgruntled worker, that mm-hmm. leaves the guy that's just sitting there, that's just angry now. Mm-hmm. And th- that also leads like back to it all, kind of like funnels itself really, because it's like a cesspool of just complete fuckage but
1: (laughs) well and that that outsourcing thing is is one well one of trump's talking points right you know he's like i'm gonna bring the jobs back home never did and he never he never did i just want i just want everyone to know (laughs) that that trump never brought the back the the jobs back home and like i'm with i'm with him there like we need we need we need work in america and but but we also need to stop this global capitalism exploitation industry that we've created um, for for every for every industry because the the reason that people are outsourcing jobs is because it, it's this this infinite growth thing they can't keep growing their own pockets mm-hmm. without without further exploiting someone else and we have we have the bare minimum of laws in the u s that keep them from from paying us less, from from uh from giving us even even lower than what our minimum wage is, which isn't enough. It's not nearly enough. But they want to pay less than that. They want to continue exploiting people more than that. And that's why they're moving these jobs overseas. And uh and Biden's gonna let it happen. Uh that's. That's true. Trump let it mm-hmm. happen. So Biden's gonna continue. Yes, to continue. Yeah. but
2: we will have a girl boss vice president. <sighs> you mean uh. president? Because, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Biden's not. Yeah, Biden's gonna take the oath of <laughs> office and then like turn to the crowd, resign, <laughs> sit down. He's, he's just gonna
0: like go and sit down, and then it'll be like Miss Harris, please step forward. So the last, <laughs> the last point I guess I like to touch on is that. Like how you just said, it's basically through that exploitation, but Josiah said earlier, a lot of things are also caused by like the consumerist market. You stated that also. Mm-hmm. I feel that one of the main things is because like right right here, right now, it, it to a point we can talk about it to a certain extent, but it's really like it's the mass opinions. It's the, it's the masses tuning into like points like this. So I honestly feel like when like he said with distractions that there's a there's a certain caliber that they do to specifically encourage worker versus worker like not dissatisfaction but worker versus worker feud so that it generates itself the, the animosity is
1: is definitely a central point of American politics they want us fighting each
2: other yeah. of course um,
1: and and it is it continues to serve the ruling class interests for people to go in stormed the Capitol, and, uh, you know, I, I don't think any of the politicians there that day, maybe they felt, you know, some immediate harm, but really, I don't think that it, that it's, I, I think it was a great political tool for all of them to, to continue to use as Trump is leaving office. And uh, more than anything, they're probably relieved that they got something like that. Um, be, because... That is going to continue to grow the difference, uh, like the, the animosity between the liberals and the conservatives. And that, I mean that by Democrats versus Republicans and not necessarily political ideology.
0: So, Josiah, do you think it's something that, do you think that, I guess, the disparity of it and the distractions that come from it, do you think it's kind of like, it almost feels like there's like a central game being played by both parties that is the overall, I guess, distraction of, oh, yeah. of people while they kind of oh. just do what they do. Because there's one thing I like to note and is that at the end of the day, even if we were to if we let us say they were to implement like a certain wealth tax on people like Jeff Bezos, Jeff Bezos loses, I don't know, a billion. Let's 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 say they take like a a good chunk of his wealth, what he would consider does that stop Jeff Bezos from just doing the exact same thing again? Because there are literally companies that will commit heinous acts like dumping and go, yeah, we literally have a portion of our budget reserved for the fines. We already know we're getting fined. We can mm-hmm. pay it. That, that's the point I'm trying to make. Like That world still exists, just like you, we stated earlier with the Congress, Congress chairs. Somebody's always going to be able to come in, whether it's an outside interest or whether it's somebody with just ill intent or somebody just doesn't know what they're doing and just wants the position for power, and they're going to be able to push and funnel money. I've mixed those letters. They're going to be able to push and funnel money into it, and it's kind of the same thing. Like, nope, that's not going to ever get addressed, in my opinion, at least with with American politics, because they're both both sides are doing it, and that's what they don't want the people to kind of hone in on. We can't really. I guess there's really no way to change that when you have to lobby for it, and the only people that are lobbying for it are the people with enough money to change the entire fabric of society. society.
2: Yeah. No, yeah, you're, you're exactly right. I think you hit the nail on the head when you were talking about how both sides are, are playing the same game, and, and it really it comes down to this. Uh, it, it's not necessarily just like both... It, it's not collusion, if you will, where they're like, all right, look, I'm going to be pro-choice. You be pro-life, we're going to get each other real <laughs> riled up and we'll see who wins the baseball game. You know what I'm saying? It's not something like this, you know? It's not like they're like putting together some shady deal yeah. cognizantly yeah. or whatever. This is a social condition. Everybody only knows things in terms of capitalism. Yep. The problem is not that we have these shady politicians that are part of some Illuminati and everything that's trying to protect this, like, Holy order of the big C capitalism, right? What it actually is is these unimaginative, non-creative politicians that we have in office that can talk good talk but have no walk. You know what I'm saying?
0: And so, hundred percent agree.
2: That that's really what it comes down to. They can only see things in terms of uh, binaries within society Mm -hmm. and everything. And and. We must deconstruct all of these things, but underlying all of it is the system
0: of capital yep. that causes us to create
2: these binaries.
0: Oh. And That's really just, that's, that's quite effectively the sum up of this entire podcast, in my opinion. Absolutely. Is that, like, the, it's, it's these underlying strings, that, not even strings, like you said, it's not even like they're, it's intentional. It's literally just like the social condition of the country that we live in to see things viewed in the way of capitalism but if i'm going to let you guys have anything else you want to say
1: no i mean that's that's right we we are fighting our conditions and we're fighting uh our collective understanding of our conditions and once we get to a point where everyone is conscious of their conditions then we can start taking direct action against the conditions that
0: that have been created for us all right uh do you guys I'm just as the number anybody wanna drop their Instagram handle or anything, have people follow you. Uh yeah, uh I'm Josiah. Uh I'm at jos.d.hoss
2: on Instagram. Uh you can follow me there. If I'm gonna leave you with any final thing, I'm gonna say fight the power, power to the people, the worker, the student, the intellectual, uh and, and to everybody in in between. Uh, Just as long as you're not in the 1%, I support you, and I believe in you, and I know that you're going to do the work. Uh, Get connected with local parties and activists. Get out there. We need more people doing stuff, because the right is doing stuff, and they don't have a consciousness. So if you have a consciousness, let's get to work. All right.
1: Ethan? Uh, Yeah, I'm at scott. On Instagram, uh, but I'm also starting up a political commentary uh, TikTok account called okay. at Tennessee Trotsky. Okay, so cool. y'all hit that up, and hopefully I'll be posting on there pretty soon uh, if you're interested in my takes on current events and historical a good politics. Market, bro. Yeah. A lot of eyes on TikTok. TikTok
2: is shit. Yeah. yeah. Damn, that's but sick. I didn't know you were doing that. Solidarity <laughs> forever. Uh, y'all solid. have a good night.
0: Yeah. That's it, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Psych War Podcast.